Honorable Dr. Anthony Chafee, if you'd like to join us, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Gee, have you found your need for sleep has lessened, uh, changed? Uh, do you do fine with whatever you get? To, how does it work for you, just being a pure I, carnivore? I do, yeah. I, I've noticed that my sleep is much better. It's much better quality. It's much easier for me to go to sleep. I used to have big problems going to sleep, which really sucked <laughs> as a doctor when you're on call and, and you just need to desperately grab a few minutes of precious sleep. And you're just sitting there for 20, 30 minutes, just tossing, trying going, oh my God, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> and, know, uh, and it just didn't work. Yeah. And so, you know, not getting good quality sleep, not feeling very well rested when you wake up. Now it's very different. I sleep extraordinarily well. I sleep uh, I get very good quality sleep and I don't need as much sleep. Um, I like sleep. I like getting, you know, seven, usually around seven and a half hours is, is good for me. And, um, which is about normal as we would consider normal. But if I'm not able to get enough sleep, if I'm only able to get an hour of sleep or I'm not even able to sleep at all, I'm able to do it and I'm able to function. And that's very important. Obviously, you know, everyone has their limits and I've, I've, I've met my limit before and shaken its hand, but it's, uh, it takes a lot more to get me there. Um, I, I worked a, a 60 hour shift at the hospital. I, I started, um, Saturday morning and didn't finish until Monday night. And, um, I maybe got an hour of sleep on Sunday night. And, uh, so you've gone the last 60 hours Saturday. with one hour of sleep. So not not right not now, the, but I had to pass. And then wow. so on that Monday, I was like, "Sweet Jesus, I need to go to sleep." <laughs> and, and but no one could cover me. I was in I was in the office. I was seeing patients, wow. and there was no one else that could cover, or no one else that would cover. Uh, you know, you can pick, but uh, that but so I was stuck seeing these patients, and I was absolutely shattered. And I remember talking to these patients, and I was literally struggling to stay awake. And sometimes I was sort of like, half go asleep. And then I just sort of like realized I just like dozed off. And then I like talking about something I'm like, trying to like cover for myself and like trying to catch up in the conversation, wow. like, okay, Oh, God, what did I miss? What are they talking about? What are we doing here? Thankfully, nothing, you know, nothing was missed. And, and no one got uh, hurt. But it's very scary. It's very scary to be in that situation oh, yeah. where you just are so exhausted hey, you actually can't keep your eyes have, open. Have you heard of this fellow, Mike Musel? 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 Yeah, yeah. He, yeah I've, I've, we, I've met we, him um, have. a we, couple times, actually. We ran the video yeah. that he did with the MRI thing. And, and uh, did you see that? And the one in Canada? Or in Canada? And they looked at the MRI. Of, they looked at the MRI, and it's a special MRI that doesn't have a lot of, no, no toxic effects. This fellow in Canada created that, mm -hmm. some doctor. And he and his wife, who's, long-term keto and they did and you look at all of his organs and this guy was amazed in carnivore he was just amazed at just a perfect amount of fat around each organ and he kept oh, nice. yeah he kept saying to the wife he said he said you you have your body of like a 14 year old and she was like a 40 year old and he was really impressed his, her bone density was like uh, like a teenager just doing a keto diet. nice yeah yeah you should yeah i'll send you that video if i we we posted it on our website yeah please do yeah it's kind of fun yeah interesting yeah no that's great yeah, that's a very important thing. There's um, visceral fat has actually been more recently. It, it, it's becoming more people are becoming more aware of it um, as being a biomarker for poor health or good health. If you have low amounts of visceral, visceral fat. fat, so visceral fat, yeah, is the fat in in and around your abdominal organs specifically. So other fat, you know, does its own thing. But this is this is more metabolically active and is, is quite detrimental. It can actually increase your risk of getting cancer and increase your risk of dying from cancer. The University of uh, yeah, Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, which is one of their their sort of their, their oldest institution uh, in in Ireland, they found just last year or maybe just this year, they found that the visceral fat actually sequester the natural killer T cells called NKT cells. And these are your body's first line defense against a, a lot of things, but but specifically cancer. And so your body, these these NKT cells, you know, you generally seek out cancers or pre-cancers in your body and just be like, nope, zap that sucker out of there. And so they found that the abdominal fat uh, was actually sequestering these things in. And the more abdominal fat you had, the more uh, visceral fat that you had, the less NKT cells you had in circulation. And so they they felt that that was the explanation or at least one explanation 
for why people with more visceral fat got more cancer and had worse outcomes with cancer. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that's something that, uh, Dr. Sean O'Mara has found. He's, um, you know, he's a, a doctor, he's an emergency physician, and he's gone into nutritional research in the last uh, decade or so, and, uh, has been found, finding some really interesting stuff. He found that, that, um, well, he did a study with over 6,000 people doing abdominal MRIs and, you know, body MRIs and looking at visceral fat and measuring it. And they found a direct relationship to all these different chronic diseases and uh, metabolic problems from Too abdominal fat and also excess of visceral fat. Yeah, excess, vi excess visceral fat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, and what's called myosteatosis, which is marbling in your own muscles. So, like, you have marbling in a steak. You, we get that too. And how do you get marbling in a steak? You feed it grains. You feed it carbs. You feed mm. it sugar. They give wagyu beef, you know, beer and sake. <laughs> right. That's how you get it. And so those animals get get marbling because your your their bodies has excess glucose and that's harmful so it raises insulin to just stuff this in to every orifice and and that happens to us as well and so some of that is deposited in glycogen other and it's also deposited in intramuscular fat as well so that's a physiological process that happens when you eat carbohydrates and that's why we use that to fatten up cattle and that's how we do it that's how we get that marbling and so that happens to you as well and so he found that on mris you can see this i look at mris every day and you can see this you can see the fat see in in people's muscles yeah absolutely and he found that that was directly related to different metabolic illnesses as well and that was something i saw presented at a uh, spinal conference in neurosurgery was that people noticed that back pain bad back pain was strongly correlated with myosteatosis of the psoas muscle uh which is just sort of, sort of intra-abdominal retroperitoneal and uh and goes down and helps lift up your your leg and flex your hip and that was strongly related to people that had just really bad back pain that wasn't going to get mm. fixed by surgery and you find some sort of structural abnormality you go and you pin it and you fix it and fuse it and they go like yeah they didn't get any help and they found that people that were having uh those sorts of problems that weren't going to get fixed by any sort of intervention they had that fat in the muscle that myosteatosis so there's something else metabolically going on uh, that's driving uh, these processes um and it's related to what we eat and what yeah. we do and how we live yeah yeah uh, have you heard of a, a gentleman by the name of darko valchek valchek um i think i think if it's a guy i'm, I'm thinking of is he is he like a um ray pete protege no i don't think so darko lives in a rainforest. We've had him on the show four times. Carnivore, former veterinarian. And uh, oh. and he's really big on salt, sea salt. And okay. really boosts it up. And I've been doing more and more salt than I've ever done ever. And you know, I'm more hydrated than I've ever ever been. And that's his, his whole argument, that we need good sea salt to hydrate and it builds okay. blood plasma. It actually builds blood mm. plasma, sea water and sea salt and helps the body to detoxify. I'll send you some stuff on him. I think you'd find him interesting. Yeah. He's a he's a very no, that is interesting. Very no, cool I didn't know. So, he, so he's a carnivore as well? And oh, yeah. yeah which a, jungle does he live in? I think it's down in rainforest, down down in Amazon rainforest, down in there. That's badass. Yeah, What's he doing down there? Just being awesome? Just hanging out. Just hanging out. Research down there? <laughs> just hanging out. That's great. And he was, on an, he was on in the ocean, and he actually figured out that he could drink a lot of seawater and still survive, and that's how he started on this whole whole thing most people think it'll kill you you know but uh mm. he, he he did i mean and he just started experimenting with it and i think he'd like his Weird. stuff I, I'll, I'll send you yeah. the, his he's got a a uh, odyssey thing where he's got all his videos and watch some of them with the salt because you're a salt guy too because you also you often mention right you say meat water and salt it's important yeah well i mean i haven't, I haven't dug it too deeply into like the importance of it i just don't think it's bad and so I think it's it's perfectly fine to salt to taste. I think if you're if you're drinking so much that the taste of salt is is repelling you, I think that that's a good sign. Just like you know, you eat some, anything else. Yeah, you eat some some you know Brussels raw Brussels sprouts and they taste bitter and it's like gross, like spit it out. So I think that um, you know the medical literature involved 
in in salt is really hasn't played out that this is something that's bad for you or causes high blood pressure or heart so. failure or anything yeah. like that if you're if you're you know eating it if you're salting to taste i've you know i've gone without salting i've, I've felt perfectly fine i i prefer the taste it's a bit better and when the way i prepare meat i, I sort of uh age it dry age it then or sorry wet age it then i sort of dry age it, and i'll dry brine it as well and so i find that putting a bit of salt on it helps wick out some of the moisture and and um uh, just helps in that process so i do it because i like i like preparing my meat that way and uh and i feel fine and uh, you know but i went like a month or so without using any salt and I, I felt fine i didn't feel too much of a difference in in my health but uh, i'm always interested in in these sorts of things yeah um, i'll send you a little bit of stuff yeah. on them darko yeah this is from brian he is in seattle um i like buffalo he says and even some wild game does dr chafee think there's any advantage to having buffalo or bigger bigger beast than just the cows to eat. I think he froze up there on your internet. Hello? He froze up. He froze in time. Uh, email if you guys have a question before we go. Patrick, oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. He'll probably come back to us. Working on Brian's question about buffalo and wild game. Oh, All right. there All you right. are. I think you froze up there for a sec, Doc. Your, your internet kind of was not happy. Yeah. Um, are you, am I back now? You're, you're back, you're back now. We were, okay. we were about right. to uh, address Brian's question about um, bigger game, like yeah. buffalo, wild game. And he asked, do you think there's any advantage to having that over just cow? I think I think that anytime you eat uh, an animal that's eating what it's supposed to eat, it's going to be as healthy as it can be, and it's going to be more nutritious for you, and it's going to have less toxic buildup of of different plants that it doesn't want to eat. So you know, a lot of pork and chicken and these monogastrics they're fed a lot of corn and soy, and people actually can have problems with that, especially people that are very sensitive like with autoimmune issues. So if you're eating an animal that's eating what it's supposed to eat, I think that's always the best uh best thing to do buffalo if it's grass fed and finished it's only living on grass and that's great i think it's probably similar to grass fed and finished cow though uh they're very similar animals and um but generally bigger animals have more fat i mean that's why we we historically ate megafauna we're going after mammoths and mm -hmm. these giant animals because they had they had a higher proportion of fat in their body um and so you know that's also why we we eat cows you know cows have a higher proportion of fat than a lot of other animals as well so and, and we we go after fat because we need fat and um so i think buffalo is great if you have access to buffalo especially if it's grass-fed and finished then that's fantastic so definitely go for that uh, i think it's probably very similar to grass-fed and finished cow though yeah Chicken doesn't do a lot for me. I don't know why. I don't. I guess, and theoretically, these people I, I buy it from sometimes, uh, um, it just doesn't seem to have the juice that I need. You know, the the mojo or something. To, I don't know what it's about, but I think they feed them good stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah. I mean, they don't have as much fat, um, and they they won't have as much uh, in the way of nutrients that red meat will red meat is extraordinarily nutritious and has very very good nutrient density and so that's good from that standpoint uh, most chickens are give, given some sort of feed that grain feed but if they're eating just bugs insects worms things like that they'll they'll be much more nutritious in fact i was i was looking i was watching a talk uh, was from a gentleman he, he did like regenerative farming and so what they do is they have cows and and sheep and they'll be on paddock for a certain number of days and they'll move them before they overgraze yeah. that pasture yeah. to another one yeah and then sort of a day or two later they'll bring the chickens in and because now like the feces and leavings from uh you know from those bigger animals now they've attracted a bunch of flies and bugs and the chickens go and eat those bugs and then they upcycle that those nutrients as well and he found that the eggs from his chickens they uh, a normal net average chicken egg from government data would in america would have 41 milligrams of folate in it 
but his eggs had over a thousand. Whoa. So it was much, much, much more nutrient dense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're feeding a chicken what it's supposed to eat, it's going to be much more healthy for you and it's going to taste better. And that's going to be much more exciting for you to eat. And this is why dark meat tastes better than, than breast meat, the white meat in chicken, because there's, there's much more nutrients in the dark meat. There's much more fat and fat soluble vitamins. So it tastes better. It's not as dry and uninteresting like yeah. the chicken breasts yeah. are. Yeah. It, it's so much fun to correlate what the, what the animals are eating. Right. Pete used to be a big fan. If you could find uh pork that is fed not grains and gmos and all that stuff it's very low on what is it linoleic acid is that what it is i do, 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 uh yeah yeah so yeah. Right, well pork that's fed yeah it, a bunch of soy and corn has it's high in high linoleic acid yeah and like my yeah. Virginia farmer guy they do all vegetarian they get their all this stuff that whole foods throws away and that's what they feed their pigs and it does, has mm. virtually no linoleic acid isn't it fascinating how oh, good. it co- correlates uh, with the corn and the grains giving the pigs rather than a vegetarian, a more natural kind of, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, you definitely want to feed the animal what it's supposed to eat. And uh, you want to feed us what we're supposed to eat, which is that animal. And so <laughs> you're yeah, going to be, be healthier <laughs> healthier as a result of that. That yeah. animal, excuse me, that animal. Emily writes, she's in Florida. Thanks for having Dr. Chafee on. I'm similar to Patrick, 130 pounds. I'd like to gain a little more weight because I'm very tall. But I can't seem to do it. I just don't get hungry enough. And I eat fat, but that doesn't seem to put more weight on. Does Dr. Chafee have any ideas? Thanks, Emily. Okay, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, th- the thing with, with putting on weight, people are, are made differently. They have different frames. They have different body body styles. And so some people are just going to be very, very slender in general. And it's more difficult for them to put on weight. Uh, but it's easier to put on weight on a carnivore diet than, than anything else hmm. and healthy weight, not unhealthy weight. It's a lot easier to lose unhealthy weight and put on healthy weight. And so the way you do that, a, you need to eat enough and, and you need to eat as much as you are hungry for. And you need to try to eat a couple times a day. You don't say, Oh, well, this is how much I kind of want. Keep eating. If it tastes good, keep eating. It tastes good. Keep and eating. Then you need to stimulate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you need to stimulate your body to grow to grow muscles you know if you're if your body's sort of happy with where you're at with what you're doing my this is this is how i stay if i don't do any exercise this is just my body will keep me there if i want to put on weight if i want to put on muscle i need to go and stimulate my body to do that it's not just it's not good enough just to eat more even just force feed myself so i have to lift weights i have to exercise and generally sprinting uh and or weightlifting hit training the anaerobic style training is best for that is best for putting on muscle and actually best for for burning and getting rid of visceral fat as well and helping your metabolic health and hormonal health and so that's what i would recommend if she if she wants to to put on healthy weight then start exercising especially high intensity uh sprinting weightlifting. you know women don't turn into men just because they lift weights they just become you know lean strong healthy robust women and if you're eating enough meat then you're going to allow your you're going to give your body the building blocks that it needs to put on that healthy weight. So that's interesting because I've noticed I do um, resistance training every every morning, most morning, and I tend to lose it more quickly when I don't. So that could be a sign that I need more need more going. I need to eat more because you were saying with you, mm. you, you just kind of keep your your muscle tone even though you don't work out a lot. So. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I could learn something there. So I just need to eat more. I need to eat more. Yeah. Right? Yeah, eat more. And especially because it's very easy to just, because you, I, I mean, I don't feel hungry. Yeah. I don't I don't feel hungry like I normally do. But I know I am, you know, because I've, I've, I've started paying attention more to my hunger signals. And, and so I know I go eat a steak. It's going to taste good. And I'm going to keep eating until it stops tasting good, even though I don't need to. I, I wouldn't need to. I could just you know, go to bed after this and, and be fine. Yeah. But, you know, but, but I could eat. So I, I'm a bit more in tune with that, but it's still very subtle. And it's mm-hmm. not like this urgent urgency that normally we have, like, I have to eat, I don't have to eat. And so most people, when they feel like I don't have to eat, they say, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't eat yet because eat. it's not an emergency. So that's a carnivore kind of an animal based thing. 
without the carbs, you don't get that I have to eat thing because it's a blood sugar. Yeah. It's blood sugar more than yeah, digestive exactly. fire. Yeah, yeah. And it's also leptin. Leptin is a hormone uh, that's the old leptins. Fat yeah. cells as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's a and it's a very important hormone. And it um it tells your body basically how much fat you have. It's like a running gas gauge. And hydrate your insulin goes up and then that blocks leptin and then your brain doesn't see how much fat it has and so it thinks oh my gosh we don't have any fat stores we need to eat and oh the blood sugar is plummeting yep. we're gonna die we're gonna die if we don't eat something so you get this panic signal that says eat now or you're gonna die and so people get very very panicked and so it's it's much more subtle because my brain can see my leptin knows that i'm not going to die anytime soon and so it's just like yeah all right you're it's, fine so it's much more subtle and so you want to you want to keep eating until things stop tasting good now if i work out i will get bigger i'll get more muscular especially if i i have to eat more you know i have to maintain that uh that increased uptake so my body can put on muscle and if i do that then i put on muscle very easily um but, but you do have to maintain that like if if your body's very efficient it's not just going to put on 20 pounds of muscle and then you stop lifting weights and just sort of keep it there. It might keep some of it, but you know, I mean, I have a sort of a base that my body's not going to get below, even though I was very skinny as a teenager, as a young teenager, I started getting more avid and lifting weights. But you know, I, I, I do lose weight and I do lose muscle if I don't keep working out or, and I don't keep eating enough. Um, I have to have both, even if I'm working out, but I'm not giving myself enough meat. Like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll shrink down a bit. So you do need to you need to give your body those resources and those and that stimulus to maintain that. But yeah, I don't go below where I am now. And uh, but I do find that even if I'm working out, if I'm if I if I'm not eating enough, I won't put on the same amount of weight or the same amount of muscle. So yeah, you do you definitely need to eat eat enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Doctor Chafee think about taking cod liver oil from Clarence? Cod liver oil. Well, I think it's probably better just to, you know, to eat, you know, cod liver or or just eat fish in general and get those omega-3s, the DHA, EPA. Those are very good for you. They're very good for your brain. Um, there, you know, fish oil as a supplement is difficult because a lot of it has been found to be uh, rancid, rancid and not yeah. really high quality yeah. and, uh, and not something that's going to really benefit you. Uh, but if you can buy cod liver or, 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 I mean, it just depends, you know I mean? Like the, the, the fish oil capsules and things like that, those, those are often not good. They're going to be rancid. They're not going to be mm-hmm. beneficial. Um, and there are different studies on that, that sort of show that that sort of mixed middling results. And so it's hard to say if your, your brand is going to be good or if that batch is going to be good. You know, potentially you can get like canned cod liver and it comes in oil and uh, you can just eat that or you can just eat fish. And uh, that's probably the best is to either eat the the cod liver itself uh, that comes in the oil. I don't know of studies that say one way or the other on that. There's the studies I've seen are on the fish oil capsules. Um, But, you know, if you're eating the liver, that's probably going to be a bit better. Or if you're just eating the fish, you just get the fish, eat the fish. You'll get, you'll get a lot of those, yeah. especially the oily fish, you know? Does your guest think these freeze-dried supplements, different organs in the body are worth the money? Hmm. Do you know no, anything about that? Not if you're carnivore. No. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're on a carnivore diet, that's what you're supposed to eat. And so you're going to get Is all the nutrients that? that you need. You don't need to eat the, you don't need to take any supplements. If you need to take supplements, then by definition, your diet is deficient. Okay. Carnivore diet is not deficient. Now there may be some people like we talked about who those three people that I've come across out of the thousands that I've spoken to who have had a bit low folate, not all that low, but a little bit low. Mm -hmm. And so they started eating liver, took care of that. Not a problem. So, you know, and again, you know, farm grain finished, uh, meat, especially chicken and other sorts of things, maybe not as as nutritious as red meat. And that's not going to be as nutritious as grass finished red meat, right? So maybe some people need more, more of the grass finished variety, or maybe just a bit of liver. 
you know, if they're not getting quite enough what they need from skeletal meat, then, uh, you know, just add in some liver. So if you're doing that and you're eating a carnivore diet and maybe adding in some liver every now and then, you shouldn't need any supplements at all. Now, if you're not doing that and you're eating a mixed diet or, you know, an omnivorous diet or the standard American diet, which is very nutrition deficient because it's ultra processed garbage and it's devoid of, of any real nutrients, or you're on a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, um, really vegetarian diet, if you're willing to take animal supplements, then, then, uh, you should probably just add in liver. Like I said, you know, if you're in it, a nutri nutrient deficient state, or maybe you're just converting into carnivore, but you're on one of these deficient diets, or you're maintaining a deficient diet for whatever reason, adding in liver is probably a really good idea. Um, some people, the, the argument is like, well, if you don't like eating liver, here's a capsule you can do. I think you should just suck it up and eat the damn liver. Some liver yeah. um, that's probably best for you. But if you, if you're really adamant about it, like, I just don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat these organs. Those people, I would say, yes, you know, you can get you can get the organ supplements at that point. I think that's probably worth it for those people. But that's like a very narrow subset of people. And so I think if you're doing a carnivore diet and you're just and you're just eating food and you're not eating all the other stuff, then you can just eat meat, mm. maybe add in some liver every now and then. All of these other foods that many of the carnivores eat, uh, maybe the eggs and um, raw milk and, and other things that you tend to not eat, I, as much as I can tell, talking to you and looking at your your work do you, do you think it's do you just do it because you don't want to and you're just comfortable with what you're eating or you don't show you just don't think you need these things do you think they could possibly i don't know lessen your quality of life or longevity in any way if you did eat them oh well i i don't have a problem with dairy i just don't i just don't find that i feel as as good as i can okay on dairy and um but but more to the point dairy doesn't necessarily have all the nutrients that you need and so you know you'll, you'll still need to eat sure a sufficient amount of meat as well and i find that people tend to stall in their weight loss or you maybe even put on weight when they're adding in a lot of dairy because they tend to eat the same amount of meat and they just eat some dairy anyway because their body says, okay well we need the meat we need these nutrients from the meat and you're also eating dairy so it's just sort of an added sort of food source that maybe uh is a bit too much um, another thing is that uh, casein, which is one of the proteins in in dairy, uh, can be pro-inflammatory. And this is why people get like A2 milk. There's A1 and A2 yeah, milk. A2, yeah. yeah, so A2 is much less inflammatory than A1, but it, but it also is inflammatory in and of itself. And so people that have uh, sensitivities to that, especially people with autoimmune issues, I think that they probably should steer away from dairy because that does seem to to trigger autoimmune issues um i don't have those problems so i don't have a i don't have a problem with it um but I, I recommend people you know be cautious about that especially if they have autoimmune issues the so i'll have some cheese every now and then and you know some raw uh yo yogurt you know, on on you know live live culture live yogurt culture. and things like that but yeah but 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 rarely you know it's just sort of if it's around and, and someone's bought it or whatever i might have a, a, like a bit of it but I, I usually don't do too much just because i prefer meat and i i think that's you know meets the meal and that's what i want to focus on um and i i specifically avoid milk just because milk has uh enough lactose that it can spike your insulin and and kick you out of this metabolic process that uh, i think is optimal for us and so that's that's why i tend to do it i still would drink milk every now and then like when i go back to seattle there's a place that sells raw milk near my brother's that's house awesome. yeah. and so like I, I'll, I'll get like some raw milk at that point and have it. it's like a treat like once a year when i go back um but i also and i love it and that's the problem i do love it and i think never makes it to the fridge so like i'll pick it up <laughs> when i go to my brother's house i'll have like a gallon of milk and i'll sit there and i'll have a glass my like, god this is amazing this is so good it does taste and, good. and then it i'll does. just pour another glass and another glass oh maybe just one more oh what's the big deal well i'm halfway through i might as well finish it you know and like that's and that's what i say to myself and so i do and and um so i i see that sort of addictive nature um of of the carbohydrates and uh you know you're, you're sort of your body's just like get more get more get more because you're you know you get you're getting these carbohydrates you're getting that signal to to eat more of it and eat more of it and uh you know i don't so i, I try to avoid it just because i don't like that response particularly i, I had a little treat of some uh just it was 
raw cream and um, let's see, raw cream eggs and sugar ice cream, you know. And it mm. was really, when I mean, it was yum. I mean, you know, it was really yum. But I tell you what, the only yeah. thing I wanted when I was finished, you know what I wanted? Hmm. More. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing for me with sugar. That's all you want is just more. Yeah. You know, just do, just give yeah. me more. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very. I mean, I, it's, you know, at this point, my, my, my sweet sensitivity is, is, is such that just drinking milk tastes like I'm drinking ice cream. Yeah, very I drink whole milk. I'm, oh my God, that's amazing. And so I think that just making that ice cream with the, with the raw well, cream yeah. and, and egg yolks, I think that, I think even you wouldn't that even would need just the be sugar. Amazing. You wouldn't even need the sugar. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. I'm with you. Sometimes I'm up to two o'clock in the morning. I just, and I just take a big hit of raw goat's milk. I mean, and really, it tastes like heaven. I mean, it's like you go, yeah. oh my God. It tastes so good, yeah. you know, in the middle of the it night. Does. It's just like, <laughs> it's like probably brings you back to your breast, breastfeeding days, right? When mom used to give you breast milk at two o'clock in the morning. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. No, it is. Yeah. No, I, I really like milk, but uh, I think that's that's also why I avoid it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I'll drink too much of it. So, and, uh, and then I'll spike my insulin. So, Dr. Chafee, thanks for staying up so late. Now, all your, you have your stuff. You have the Apple Podcast. You do that. And then YouTube and Twitter. YouTube. That's all your videos on YouTube, right? Yes, that's correct. So, and that's just Anthony Chafee, MD. Anthony. Chafee spells C-H-A-F-F-E. On YouTube. And have you talked yes. to some interesting yeah. folks that you think we should talk to? Have you talked to some people that you thought, man, this guy is really cool? Who, who have you talked to that's fun? Oh, there's a, there's a ton. Uh, in the carnivore space, there's a Dr. Paul Mason. He's over in Sydney. He's a brilliant guy. And I don't know and him, he, I mean, he just knows yeah. everything. Really? Oh, he's great. Yeah, look him up. He's, he's got some great videos online. And he and he's he is a very, very good communicator. He, he you know, imparts you know, very complex theories and ideas, very, in a very straightforward manner that anyone can follow. Oh, cool. uh, but he's very, very like fact and evidence driven. It's just about what, what are the signs? What are the evidence? What, you know, what can we prove? Um, so he's, he's fantastic. Um, Professor Ben Bigman from BYU, he wrote a book called why we get sick. It's all about insulin resistance wow. and, and, uh, and how much damage this can cause to our body. And, um, Dr. Ken Berry is, is he's fantastic. Fun. He's, he's fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Uh, Dr. Uh, Sean Baker, who's like, I think he's like King carnivore. He's, the, he's like, yeah, he's all over the place. Right? The main guy. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, no, there's, there's tons of people. I mean, there's, I mean, depending on what you're, you're interested in, you know, there's professor Thomas Seafried from Boston college. He's yeah. We had top. him on, on the cancer. Wasn't it? Oh, fascinating? Yeah. Oh, I mean, great. He yeah. says they are so off base on the way we treat cancer. It's just crazy. Mm. I liked him a lot. I want yeah. to have him back on. Yeah. You, did you talk yeah, to him? No, he's great. Did yeah. you talk to him? I did. Yeah. So I had him, I had him on my podcast. I absolutely loved it. I've, I've been uh, following his work for a number of years before I had a podcast and, and just absolutely uh, found it fascinating. And so uh, you were actually, he's, 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 working specifically in, in glioblastoma brain cancers. And that's, you know, part of my work. Oh, that's great. And so I'm setting up a study here in Perth using ketogenic metabolic therapy to, as an adjunct to treat glioblastoma patients. Wow. And so he's, he's sent me his protocol. So we're working on, or he's, he's put together a protocol for this and, and I'll be, you know, reviewing it and looking at it and, um, and seeing if I, I can incorporate it in, into my um my study here which um you know and then you know keep doing keep doing research and getting do information you, out there do you do you think it's fascinating that that this whole way the cancer people which is huge treated as a genetic thing which is just not true it's just i mean how is that even yeah. possible you know all the money being thrown at cancer and they're just not yeah. looking at the right thing yeah, well, it's multiple billions of dollars a year going into this, and it hasn't. Well, I mean, we, we've we've gotten some improvements, we've gotten some some good treatments, and there are cancers that you can cure, sure. uh, and uh, and that's and that's fantastic. And and um, but you know, we haven't made the headway you would expect for the amount of resources and research and 
decades of work that you know Nobel Prize winners have been putting into it. Um, but there was Nobel Prize winner Otto Warburg who put a lot of work into this as well, decades of it. And he wrote a, a paper in the 1950s called the origin called the origin of cancer. Mm -hmm. And he just he, he really argued and showed the evidence for cancer being a metabolic mitochondrial disease. And then Watson and Crick came out with the double helix of DNA. And they were like, well, that's it. This is everything, yep. you know, this is, this is, and so everything's genetic. Everything came down to genes. Well, obviously that, of course, that's not true because we know from penetrance, we know from, from twin studies that, you know, just because you have genes for something doesn't mean you'll get the disease for that something. Sometimes only 60% of people who have a gene will get that disease. And so, you know, obviously there are environmental factors that come into play and that is certainly the case for cancer. And so, you know, that just sort of pushed everything in, but, but, you know, DNA is very important, obviously, but it's the blueprints. It's not actually doing things. It's moving around it's and actually interacting huh? with just itself. A and very, right? just a it's a blueprint, but I mean, it, it's very complex though, because it, it's, uh, you know, first of all, you stretch out your DNA, it, you know, goes back and forth in the moon, you know, however many dozen times. So it's long, it's very, very complex. There's billions of base pairs, but also it interacts with itself in, in very interesting ways. So it's, it's, it's sort of semi-rigid, but like every sort of thousand base pairs, it can curve around and touch itself. And you're talking about billions of base pairs long this thing's flipping around and moving all over the place okay so it's actually and it can interact with itself chemically right so these parts here on the like the back of that um of that dna molecule can actually interact and bind with the back of another part of DNA. And because it does that, it triggers some genes and turns on different things You have these epigenetic effects. Um, it's very, very complex. It's very, very interesting. But at the end of the day, these are just hyper complex blueprints that can half run themselves and, and trigger certain things in themselves. But the rest of the cellular functions, the rest of the parts of your cell are what use the blueprints to action the information there. And your mitochondria are one of these things. And so your mitochondria are buzzing around, turning on different things, putting energy here, turning it off here, and flipping switches all up and down. And they move around your body, around your cell. Mm. And so they're going through the cytoskeleton, turning things on here. You have hundreds to thousands of these things in every cell. And they're going on and they're actually running the show. And so, you know, you have the blueprints, but you need architects and construction workers to actually build the building and that's and that's how i think of it you know you have the blueprints in the dna but you have the rest of the cell actually doing the work and most of that's being done by the mitochondria and so when you damage the mitochondria you get a lot of other problems as well and that's something that that seafried has shown that that otto warburg has shown as well and um that's a major problem when we're we, talking about cancer, we, other, we damage the things. mitochondria by poor diet, lifestyle, poor thinking, and such. Yeah. All the usual suspects, yeah, and and a lot of these, yeah, and a lot of genetic predispositions for cancer actually damage the mitochondria, wow. and and make it properly. And a lot of these different different problems that that come across and and precipitate cancer. A lot of them are actually and the like poisons and toxins and carcinogenic substances from plants or or different industrial chemicals or something like that they damage them they damage the mitochondria hmm. and that's and that's how they they precipitate cancer so one one you know a few things you can look at uh for for cancer not being a genetic disorder is that there are a number of cancers that have no genetic changes at all none Right, and we're like, well, what the hell is going on here? You know, but there are examples of these, and so you know that is a bit odd, right? You know, if it's a genetic issue, there should be genetic changes, but there aren't. So there's no genetic change, or at least genetic change that we know of and we can we can see, uh, but they look completely normal, and as far as we know, there's no gen genetic issues, but they're cancerous, and they all have damaged mitochondria that don't work properly, in a very specific way that precipitate cancer. Um, also, when you're looking at a tumor and you slice it up and put it under a microscope all the cells have different dna and they have different genetic changes and some don't have genetic changes at all but they all behave as cancer and they all have messed up mitochondria wow. and so this is uh this is something that that uh, we are seeing and we're showing and um and they, even through experiment they took the nuclei out of cancer cells c3 did 
and uh, had all the genetic changes that we would see in a certain cancer, put it into a normal cell with more normal cytoplasm and mitochondria, doesn't behave with cancer, you can actually clone it and make you know mice and frogs and things like that. That's what they were using. And then you take the mitochondria out of a cancer cell and put that into a normal cell with normal uh, DNA, it does behave as cancer and you can't clone it, it dies just, you know, just like just shuts off and dies or you try to clone it and it just, no, it just doesn't work. It just behaves as like, you know, some malignant force that just can't be controlled. So, um, and then you put healthy mitochondria into a cancer cell, it suppresses cancer. So, you know, this is, this is uh, pretty clear that this is not just a genetic issue. This is much more likely to be a mitochondrial issue and the way you address mitochondrial health uh, one of the best ways you do that is by diet and hmm. uh, and specifically ketogenic diet. There are a number of studies that have shown that by going onto a ketogenic diet, you will incre- you improve the efficacy and number of mitochondria you have for a couple of different reasons. One, when these mitochondria and different cells, people know this as, as autophagy, where you're sort of turn over these damaged older cells and you can do this through fasting. That's really helpful. Fasting also seems to help uh, lower cancer risk and uh, and improve cancer outcomes. And so you go through autophagy, sort of your body sort of clears up these old cells, recycles them, but it also does that to your organelles, the inner working parts of the of the cell get turned over as well. And uh, your mitochondria do too. And it's called mitophagy. So it turns over these mitochondria. And you get new, fresh, young, healthy mitochondria. And it also stimulates your your cell to make more mitochondria. So after three months or so on a, carniv- on a carnivore diet, keto diet, any keto diet, of course, carnivore is a keto diet, should be anyway, sure. eating fruit and honey and carbs and all these sorts of things, you just be eating meat, um, that studies have shown that you get four times as many mitochondria and they're four times as effective. So you get this hmm. massive increase in the efficacy of your mitochondria and your cells. So it's um, one of the ways you can improve your metabolic health, sprinting, weightlifting, reducing visceral fat, same things you reduce your visceral fat will also help your metabolic health as well. Getting rid of things that are specifically going to damage them as well is, uh, is very, very important too. Isn't, that, isn't it fascinating with the right fuel, the body's a pretty creative being isn't it i mean it, it'll do a lot of good things just let it go you know just feed it just let it absolutely. go absolutely wow just let That's it go it. yeah yeah you don't, you don't need magic pills you don't need supplements or all these sorts of things you just you just let your body do its thing if you just get out of your body's way right. and just let it right. work it will and so and i think that's you know, proper nutrition is integral to that. So if you eat what your body's designed to eat, what what we're biologically adapted and designed to eat, then your body's going to work to its natural biological design. It's it's very simple. It's a beautiful and thing. when you go outside of that, you'll you'll start getting these problems. And the body is is so much more robust and healthy than than people realize. That that's what people don't don't get. You know, the natural state of humanity is of good health. But right now, everyone's sick, everyone's fat, everyone's, you know, having chronic issues or on multiple medications, and we're getting just getting worse. Oh well, that's just because people are, you know, lazy and they're just they won't get off the couch. Well, you know, you know, moving your body and, and exercising is good for you. However, you know, we're not all that much more lazy than we were in the '90s or in the '80s or in the '70s, and yet we're we're multiple times more overweight and sick. And so why is that? You know, well, we're going away from what we're supposed to eat. We've been vilifying meat for the last 40 years. We've been glorifying plants and grains and even sugar uh, for the last 40 years, saying that sugar is safe, seed oils are fine. I mean, seed oils didn't exist over, you know, 100 years ago. Some of these foods didn't even exist yesterday. And yet we're saying that's what we're supposed to eat. How is that what we're supposed to eat if it didn't exist a hundred years ago or even last year. That doesn't make any sense. And so what you should do is you should look at what people were eating at, at the dawn of man. And that was meat. That was predominantly meat. And and in fact, there was a stark contrast between health and development in the skeletal remains of humans 
before and after agriculture. I put this up on, on Instagram. Yeah. I just made a post about this today, actually. But uh. people on average drop about five inches. Their brains got smaller by 11%. Teeth got crooked. Uh, you know, jaws got uh, smaller. Teeth are crowded. Wow. Just with Dental agriculture. And, and, Wait, and cavities. The, None of that was before. Introduction of agriculture. Wow. I think he just, he's having a little bit of issue with Did his, I cut out? Yeah, a little bit. You're, oh, you, you're yeah, the internet's having a bad hair day every now and then. It does that. Yeah. So it's just with Sorry agriculture, you can. It's been shown, and you, and you got that mm -hmm. on Instagram. Did you say Twitter, Instagram? I did. Yeah. So it's just on on Instagram. That's my other sort of main uh, social media. And as again, it's just Anthony Chafee, MD, uh, is my username there. And I just I just posted that today, and it just shows a clear contrast before and after. The agricultural revolution that humans actually hmm. shrank by about five inches wow. our brains got smaller by 11 percent our jaws got smaller our teeth got more crowded started getting a bunch of cavities and crooked teeth and a lot of more health issues saw very uh clear signs of uh poor metabolic health in the bones bones weren't formed as well had more injuries and signs of you know small fractures and wow. and wow. uh yeah. and 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 growth deformities so you know this was there's a very clear contrast and that's because you're getting you're getting less quality nutrition they're eating more plants and and not, not getting enough meat and it was sort of out of necessity that people went to more plant-based agriculture um because they didn't have we didn't have the same access to meat we didn't have access to the megafauna that we would normally hunt and we hunted for forever and then there was this mass extinction um with the end of the last ice age and you know that, that was it and so mm. people uh who didn't have you know hundreds of millions of buffalo running through the middle of america they needed to go uh do something else and so they start growing stuff. that was yeah. they started growing stuff exactly and the, and and the health of uh of the world suffered since then and now we're going much more plant-based and we're saying meat's bad for us this thing that we've been eating forever <laughs> is all of a sudden bad for us do you and, believe what's going uh, on with and that? causing I can't believe that YouTube yeah, well, still lets you go and they don't think you're a, a fascist meat Nazi. You know, I shouldn't oh, say Oh, I'm sure about. they do. Oh, my, my channel's completely throttled. Is, yeah, absolutely. What do you mean throttled? Yeah. What, just because you're a carnivore guy? I don't know. They don't like me some uh, in some form or another. But when I first started, I was getting very good traffic. I had some videos that were going viral. And, you know, I had one short. It was, it was sort of the first short I did. Um, sort of took off and I was getting a hundred thousand to 150,000 wow. views a day on that wow. short and I'm driving a lot of traffic in and I had other like longer videos you know one on autoimmune diseases I got something like 130,000 views in a couple of weeks it was very it was just and this was a you know 20 minute video on you know mm -hmm. you know talking about you know medical journals on on autoimmune issues and how actually it's not what you think right and you can just change this by eating meat and um and then all of a sudden uh it just everything just stopped really? and so instead of getting yeah I, I ended up getting one quarter of the uh subscribers every month i was getting i was getting i was tracking quite good numbers uh, for the first few months and growing quite quickly and then all of a sudden bang it oh. dropped down to one quarter of what i was getting before and then all those videos that had gone viral stopped being viral the same day Whoa. and so it went from getting a hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand views a day to getting a thousand a day Whoa. and it's, it's never really changed so from if there. you it's don't think there's a worldwide the movement to as have us eat bugs and not eat meat you know you hear that story i mean what's that about Oh yeah, just what's no. that about, man? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've been pushing the the plant based agenda for a long time, and that then people yeah. weren't buying that, and now they're trying something else. Okay, well, maybe we can maybe we can get you to eat this or something like that. But it's a, it. I don't think it's about health. I don't think it's about the environment. I don't think that it's about helping anyone. I think it's about helping themselves, sure. and they're trying to control people. And um, you know, th this is this is not a new trick. You know the, the uh, many many examples of oppressive governments and um, you know occupiers cut off the meat supply and made things very difficult. Oh, throughout history, for people. Yes, they've done throughout that. Throughout history, all. I didn't know that. Absolutely, yeah. the British did this all over the place. They did it to the Irish. They did it to the Indians uh, in India, 
and um they did to their own people you know the, the the peasant class was really not allowed to eat meat they weren't allowed to hunt those were the king's deer those were the king's rabbits the king's pheasants so you had to go poaching and you had to because like you just weren't going to survive if you didn't get meat. So, so they just cut off the really good stuff to these people they didn't like. And it's it's going on along yeah. way back in history. It's going on. Wow. Way back in history. You know, mm-hmm. you know, all those um you know, the story about the uh you know, the Romans when people were sort of getting more rebellious, right. they started getting like, Okay, we're starting to get pissed off. They would they would give bread and circuses. So they'd hand out a bunch of bread and they get circuses. Oh, hey, you know, look at the shiny things. Here's some bread. Why don't you eat this and go away? <laughs> what the other side of that story that they don't tell you is that they cut off the meat supply too. Ah. So they cut off access to meat and then they give you a bunch of bread and then distract you with pretty lights and colors. Wow. And uh, and that seemed to to sort of quell these things and suppress them. They weren't as healthy, weren't feeling as good, just kind of like uh just more lazy and lethargic and and weren't as robust and um it's going on today you know, going on today right something something's happening something's anyway happening. you know they, well you know they're, they're pushing this this agenda and um you know they're talking about it and yet they're eating a whole bunch of meat and uh so obviously they're not that worried about it from a health standpoint or from the environmental standpoint and um you know they're, they're pushing this on people and some people are listening, but most people aren't. Most people aren't that dumb. They're not buying it. Yeah, and um, no, they're not buying it. They're not buying the whole, you know, fake meat nonsense. It tastes like garbage. And it's just a bunch of just chemical slop. And it's horrible for you. It's horrible for the environment. And, um, and it actually is. That came out of an independent review recently showing that these these fake meat and the plant-based meat, they're way, way worse yeah. for the environment. And, um, mm. and and so when they don't get their way all of a sudden you know something like 13 14 15 uh slaughterhouses in america got burned down these major major yes. processing plants get burned down just all burned down just randomly you know oh it just happens <laughs> and uh, and over a thousand chicken ranches like i'm sorry that is just not a coincidence that doesn't just a thousand chicken ranches just go up in flames in one year and that's just oh yeah it just happened oh who you know who know oh it's just your conspiracy theory no no, no. that's just that's wrong <laughs> that did not happen by accident it i mean that's just bullshit that's so you crazy. know something's did happening. you see where they actually forcing farmers in i think it's in eastern europe yeah. to give up their cows you know you just got to give us oh. your cows and kill your cows whatever well, it's not. It's not even in Eastern Europe. It's in. It's in Western Europe. It's in Denmark. They, oh, like, they, they, in Denmark. They, yeah, I think Denmark. They actually. Um, yeah, they were like like putting guns, like training guns on farmers because they wouldn't get out of their tractors, you know. And so, like the the state, like like confiscated like all the the farmland and ranch land. I mean, it's like it's like communist Russia and China. They're just like turning these communal farms. You know, the government runs these things now. In Ireland, they are saying that you have they have to kill like one third of the cattle. They just have to kill them and let them rot because they're just they're such this ecological disaster. Oh, global um, climate change and all the environment. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, like just like just animals are just an invasive species. Just this alien. It just came from Venus, and it's just like you know, it's just like the world has never seen animals before. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, like animals are the environment. You know, they're part of the environment. This is part of a very, very complex web of life. And if you start screwing with that, bad things happen. And in fact, they've shown that conclusively that you remove animals from an area, those areas turn to deserts. Yes, you they do. need animals and the plants. You can't have you can't have one without the other. And you can't have crop agriculture without animal agriculture. You need the fertilizer. You need to give the the waste products of uh those crops to the animals to to eat them because they, it's just fiber we can't eat it we don't eat it the majority of a soy plant is not consumable by humans and a cow can eat it and a cow can turn that into a cow which is great you know you've just upcycled those nutrients and if you don't do that then you have to either put these you know billions of tons of uh you know just waste products in a in a landfill or you have to burn them and this is actually what a lot of places do because they don't even have enough places to sell these things as feed and so they they burn them they they burn the chaff and the and the and the excess uh you know 
plant material that they don't use in their harvest and they burn them to make way for the next year's harvest and you have areas in in um in africa that are sort of like grasslands but there aren't enough animals to yeah. eat down the grass eat this down so that the new sprouts can actually get light so they get they get choked out and they die and then these things turn to deserts so you know all these major grasslands evolved with uh, huh. big large herds of animals yeah exactly and that's why australia is not very fertile because they didn't have like ruminant animals grazing animals going around you know turning these things in these verdant uh pasture lands and, and making the soil very very rich because that's what animals do they enrich the soil and um you take them away and that soil gets depleted because the, the plants are taking nutrients out of the soil it's the animals that put them back in the soil and um so they can't they don't have enough animals to to graze down all this land in africa and so the only thing that they can do is they can they set brush fires they burn down this stuff so that it can burn down enough so that the new plants can can grow and they won't don't get choked out and that can sort of keep it maintained at that level but it's and not and not turn worse and not get into uh, you know door trouble and turn into deserts um and one hectare of grasslands burned like that produces more pollution and worse quality pollution than six thousand cars do in a year wow Right. And now consider that they burn down 1 billion hectares of grasslands just in Africa every year. And that's not including all the all the farmland throughout the world and in, in the Amazon, things like that. You know, we're talking about that Amazon yeah. fires and all this. So those were those were controlled burns on farms. That was not the the rainforest on fire. Those were control burns in the state of Amazon. The, the you know, that's that's an area. It's like California, you know. And so, you know, it wasn't the Amazon rainforest. And so, you know, that's the so just in Africa burning down these, you know, these these uh, grasslands. That's the equivalent of six trillion cars driving for a year. So, I mean, what are we doing here? You know, we're talking about. Uh, you're talking about an ecological disaster of enormous proportions. You were saying that all oh, this pollution from these cars and all these sorts of things, this is bad. Fine. I agree. It is bad. That's worse. Mm. You know, and so you, you actually need uh, animals. You need more animals. We need a lot more animals. And yeah. so, you know, this is this is, uh, this is absolutely backwards. I've read there and, are folks uh, uh, that are into this and they're bringing, trying to bring some heavy hoofed animals down to Africa. So, these people can learn to, mm. they'll break up the soil and a little rain and they pee yeah. and they poop and you can bring back the whole thing just by putting animals on. And it just the opposite of what the yeah. what the whole uh, vegan, vegetarian folks say. The exact opposite. Yeah. Isn't it fun, funny? Exactly. Just yeah. exactly. But, you know, yeah, but, uh, you know, Alan Savory has been doing this for decades. Yes. He's written textbooks on the subject and he's done it and he teaches people how to do it. And they go around to different parts of the world and they take his ideas and they get big herds of animals bunched and moving like a like mm -hmm. a herd of migrating animals. And what do you know? The the land is rejuvenated and restored. And then other wild animals start moving in and it just gets better and better and better and better. And um, you know, so you know, this is reproducible. You know, that's how that's how experiments used to be done you know you, you you do a study you do an experiment you show it and then someone else goes somewhere and does it again in a different lab under this under similar conditions and okay is this reproducible do i get the same results can i can i follow your recipe and get the same results and if you can't then it's like no that's stupid doesn't work. there's yeah, something else doesn't work. Yeah. yeah but this does yeah every time it works exactly the way he says it does and um you know so so people can say every, you know whatever they want but the evidence is totally against them that's a video i saw i think uh savory ellen savory uh where i mm, first learned yeah. about it well dr chafee it's time for you to be go to bed now right what are you gonna do yeah <laughs> what time do you have to work in the morning oh i'm up um uh, i gotta be up uh for work at eight so in about seven hours seven hours well good Thanks so much for spending all this time with us. It was great fun. You're always enjoyable to spend time with. We appreciate it. So the good places for people to find you are where? Where? Where are we going to yeah. find you? Yeah. 
so uh, best place to find me would be you know there at uh, just YouTube, YouTube. Uh, with Anthony Chafee MD, and then Instagram is Anthony Chafee MD as well. And then my Twitter is just Anthony underscore Chafee. And, and through that, you can find all my other little links and, um, and social media. Uh, well, yeah, social media. You're doing great work. Thank you for being here. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Let us know if you need something. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Dr. Anthony Chafee, OneRadioNetwork.com. He's a real deal, baby. And check him out. Uh, so you can do it on uh, Instagram, on YouTube, Twitter, and all around the good stuff. Hey, check out our videos. Uh, when you do, watch them as you are now. Please sign up. You just kind of uh, subscribe to our channel and you hit the notification bell. And every time uh, uh, we put on a new thing, you'll be notified. And also on the products that we sell, how we support ourselves, you see links underneath the video and get on this, underneath the description box and you can purchase products and that's how we do our thing. So we appreciate your ongoing support. We're going to talk to a, a very interesting fellow tomorrow, Randy Weissong, and uh, uh, he just talks about all kinds of how, how do we create reality and everything from uh, diet and just a really interesting fellow. We had him on about a month ago. Randy Weissong, he'll be here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Tom Cowan and Show Me the Virus Guy on Wednesday. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for your ongoing support. I love you all very much. May the blessings be. Know the Source on One Radio Network.